welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle Caldwell and today we're talking rail. Welcome back listeners. Yes, you heard me right. We are getting on the tracks this week and we have Tracy Goodall joining us from Great Journeys New Zealand. So Tracy is the GM there of, of Great Journeys New Zealand and the commuter rail. So learned a lot about Tracy's tourism story to date and her fascinating career and just how she got into tourism. So this is a great example of somebody who just loved to travel and then realized that she could make a career out of our incredible industry. So I have no doubt that you will really enjoy listening to this episode and thank you for tuning in once more. Now, did you realize there's only 11 Saturdays until Christmas? Yes, that is right. Don't panic, everybody. And just to add a little bit more pressure in there, though, that 11th Saturday is Christmas Eve. So it is coming around very, very quickly. And I would say you need to have your marketing plans locked in now. Now, if you're having a little bit of trouble with that, give me a call. I've got a really cool deal out there at the moment to help people pull together a three-month marketing plan for the summer. So just touch base with me via my website. You can find my contact details in the episode notes. Now, last week, we actually got some support through the Buy Me A Coffee app, which we have also linked in our episode notes. If you love the show and would like to buy me a coffee, you can do that via buymeacoffee.com forward slash Destinate NZ. And if you need that link, just pop into the episode notes and you can find it there. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for your support. Now, today, as I said, we have Tracy Goodall joining us. I'm about to hand over to the episode. I hope you enjoy listening in to Tracy's story and a little bit of an update on what Great Journeys New Zealand have been up to and I've been working on over the last couple of years as we've been managing and um, navigating COVID. So enjoy the episode, everybody. We will see you back here next Wednesday morning on the same channel you're listening to now. Kakite. Today we welcome the General Manager of Great Journeys New Zealand and commuter of Kiwi Rail, Tracy Goodall. Kia ora, Tracy, and welcome to the show. Kia ora, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. Now, as we do with most of our guests, we'd just love you to start off by sharing a little bit about your career story to date and how you got to where you are today. So I guess most of my career has been in tourism. And I think like so many of us totally fell into it. I did all the studies in that business realm of economics and marketing and so forth and doing jobs here and there, but couldn't really find anything I loved. But on the side, my massive number one passion was travel. So mm -hmm. I was doing all these jobs to make sure I could travel. And yeah. that was like working around the world, teaching English in Japan, even over in the UK and Spain. And then one day this, there was a newspaper article to be a tour guide in Europe. 
Right. Yeah. And I was like, most people who were going for it had actually traveled and they'd want to go back and be the tour guides on the company they traveled for. But I hadn't even been to these places. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so broke. Like, if I do that, I can actually get to go to the places. And so I went to the interview and they were like, no, that's not the point. You know, you will be on this training trip for six weeks. It will be intense. You won't get to sightsee. But, you know, at the end of it, you could potentially be a tour guide. And so either way, I was like, yes, I've got this. I would love Europe, so many cities. I think we were going to 35 cities, 15 countries. It was just a spectacular way to get out there and see more of this fantastic continent. Mm. So I did that and then suddenly started to realize there was these jobs in this industry that I loved. And I was like, oh, wow, I don't have to go and get jobs anymore and then quit and then go and travel for as long as I can. I can actually Mm -hmm. stay in the industry, stay in the roles and actually travel for work. And at that point, I just really realized about the tour guiding roles. But after a couple of years, I was asked to start stepping into training tour guides and get into the operational space, mm-hmm. which allowed me to live in France. So I had I lived in Nice for a while and then I moved to Switzerland. Yeah. And so got the opportunity to realize that there's so much more you can do in the space. So I got into operations, product development, designing tours, managing teams of up to 100 people, you know, and ensuring that we had these tours operating throughout all of Europe. And, and so loved it. And so every time I was like, okay, maybe I should move on and do something new. That I was lucky the company I was working for, Bussabut, part of the travel corporation, kept growing. So there's always something new mm-hmm. to do. And finally, I was like, okay, it's time to move on then. And they were like, no, we're going to go global. So, you know, will you take us to Asia? And that was the brief. They were like, take yeah. us to Asia. I was like, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Got this covered. So moved to Asia and for about three to four years lived there and set up the whole operations and and designed the tours and the products and hired a whole team in Asia. The exciting part there as well was we did more local work. So Mm -hmm. working in Asia, it's not just about bringing your own team there to deliver. Mm -hmm. We worked with local DMCs, the destination management companies, and set up a lot more so we could design things that were specific to what we wanted a bus about, but also had that local feel. Mm. And I did that for about three to four years. And then was like, okay, that's it. You know, I've been an expat for years. My partner and I are like, where should we go? We're like, let's move to New Zealand. We love New Zealand, spent so much time there before. But then I was going and the company were like, oh, well, before you go, can you go and set up the US and Canada for us? <laughs> and you know, can't say no to that. So I had the fantastic opportunity of setting up the US and Canada for them as well before leaving. And then we packed everything up and we're like, that's it. We're going to go and be permanent in a country and I moved to New Zealand. Mm. And so that was about 2016. So, okay. but yeah, six years ago. And oh, I haven't looked back since. New Zealand just has, it's just a fantastic place to live, but also tourism in spades as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, as you know, because you've sold the destination for so long, like how, how can you not sell people to come to New Zealand? Exactly. So yeah, so working here at Haka Tours, Forgotten World Adventures, Destination Rotorua, and now I'm here at Birel, Great Journeys of New Zealand. Yeah, perfect. So tell us a little bit about your role at Great Journeys of New Zealand. Like what does that entail? So I'm the general manager here. So yep. that's for the... I guess everything passenger that comes down to trains. So it's for the tourism space and also for commuter as well. But the majority at the moment is in the tourism space. So that means that as we've all been through the awful times of COVID, it's about reimagining and where we can be going forward. And what we realized before was we were very much about day trains, these scenic journeys, beautiful journeys throughout the country that you could do like Northern Explorer, 
coastal Pacific and transalpine. But what I've done since then, my role has been to come in and look at how we can be more of a viable business model, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a vertically integrated business model. So we've set up a framework now where we still have these fantastic train journeys, but people can also now do packages with us or fully guided tours. And we go to some spectacular places in New Mm. Zealand, everywhere in New Zealand spectacular, but you know, we get to go into the regions and stuff. So we really are really looking at how can we get people to not only pass through the regions and take their photo while they're on the train, but actually get off the train and experience it. Yeah, and spend some time in the regions. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's been a big I guess, discussion point for many years now, hasn't it, around regional dispersal and how do we get people off that golden tourism route, so to speak. So what have you found in your journey in trying to get people into the regions? Like, has has there been any challenges attached to that? Absolutely. And there always is. And you've spent so much time in the regions yourself as well. So you'd have seen it as well, wouldn't you? I guess we're kind of lucky or we have what we have. So our resource is a railway line that goes through the regions. So we we can't really change that. But with that in mind, you know, we, we go to some of these fantastic destinations and it really is the opportunity to... It doesn't have to be mass, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like mm-hmm. everyone coming to these places. It's about there's a selection of people that can come down and visit these locations. But I believe in the past, and if we haven't promoted the rail part of it, it's it's not so easy to get there. Mm-hmm. So there might not be, you know, airports that have either accessibility or price-wise to get there. The roads, it's not normally the, the golden route. It's not the golden route to get there either. So it's just been hard for people to kind of organize their travels in mm. order to actually put that on their list of where they should go yeah so i guess we're having the trains this is where we go and it happens to be you know we connect major cities you've got auckland wellington christchurch all the big cities and they're mm. all connected the regions are connected through these big cities so it's just an opportunity to say hey jump on board I guess you don't drive even, isn't it? Get someone else to drive, grab some bubbles if you want to and, you know, and jump off in these towns. But it's been hard, I think, for the destinations as well as a whole to be able to to know who's coming and Mm. to be prepared for that as well. Yeah, because I guess one of the challenges you've got, and I'm looking particularly at your Auckland Wellington route, and there's been a lot of discussion, and I know I've been involved in a lot of discussion with Kiwi Rail over the years in terms of getting it to stop more frequently or more frequent trains, all of that sort of thing is is the more stops you do along the way, the longer the journey becomes. So that becomes one of the challenges I would imagine in terms of balancing this regional wish that you've got for people to get off the trains but then keeping the trains to a timetable no absolutely and I guess that's a really good point and that's where I guess we differentiate passenger rail from tourism rail as well so Mm -hmm. I have both caps so I have the commuter rail and I have the tourism rail and so when you look at more frequent trains say you're looking at Tuhuya at the moment they're normally government subsidized and that's Mm -hmm. a global thing so like 75% of those are government subsidized across the globe which means that you can have more frequency and it's for a passenger who wants a different type of service they want to get Mm -hmm. from A to B what we have are tourism trains that they're government owned but not subsidized so the government's just our stakeholder so we actually Mm -hmm. have to be profitable Mm -hmm. to be able to actually continue to operate and so the ability to put on the frequency of trains would require obviously a large number of passengers to be able to pay the bill and then where we stop it really does come down to where the visitors want to go and we're always open to like adapting that and 
what's going on in different regions. And we're talking to a lot of councils at the moment as well about that. But really for us, National Park, Oakuni on the North Island are, are key for us. But if it's a stop just to go to a cafe, that's not going to happen. The people on the train want to keep going. Yes. But if there's some cool things to do in the regions and if there's like, yeah, this is a tourism spot or like this is a visitor spot, there's things that people would get off the train to do, then let's do that. But also what we want to do more of is we want to connect more with locals. So we might not be able to stop in every town, but there's some great like local shuttle bus providers, for example, in the towns that we want to offer the benefits to them too. So if we work more collaboratively, we can say, well, we're coming at these times. Why don't you link in packages or offerings mm. so you can be there to pick them up and then take them to your towns and villages and spread the love really. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great that you're doing that because I know that was one of the other challenges as well that people were getting off the trains and then saying, well, what now? <laughs> what now? <laughs> How do I get from A to B? And yeah, yeah. So the packages that you're building is that including accommodation and coach transfers and all of those sorts of things, like a traditional. So it's not just the train journey. Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely yeah. for the type of person that wants things sorted for them. We yep. trialed them in 2020, which is during COVID and mm-hmm. just a Kiwi market. Yeah. And so and it went so well, you know, we, yeah. we didn't even market it that well. We we're like, oh, I'll give it a go. And yeah, Kiwis love just organizing stuff for them. They're just short trips. They were like the one, two and three day trips, but it perfect ones definitely were the North Island. People are going down, spending a weekend, whether it's in Oakuni at the Chateau and just getting away. And yeah. so yeah, definitely the transfers, you don't get off the train and go, where do I go next? It's like yep. someone's there with your name on a board going, hey, picking nice. you up, taking you to your hotel. Yep. Oh, that sounds, yeah, no, that sounds really cool. So if you think back across your career and all of the work that you've done with regions, are there any projects that have been really successful in shifting the dial in terms of regional tourism? And what do you think led to that? I'd say when going back to when like even just designing tours in the beginning, you know that there's a level of what you want to offer because you think that's going to be the best experience versus what someone will actually buy. And mm-hmm. I guess an example is you're not going to do a tour of, let's say, Europe and not go to Paris if you're going to France because yeah. people aren't going to buy your tour. <laughs> However, <laughs> there's a level of what people write home about afterwards or take the Instagram shot about these days. And that's usually these kind of hidden gems and off the beaten track places. It's our regions. Yeah. And so I think it's all about having that combination where, yep, yeah, these are things people want to buy and this is what they've heard about, but what else can we offer? And I guess going back to to Europe, Asia, we, we did some really cool projects, actually. When we first went to Asia, we, we were like, how can we be unique? And we knew our customers wanted something different. So there was this amazing area. I'm not sure if you've heard of Phon Nakabang, but it's definitely off the beaten track. And when mm. we kind of mapped it out and, you know, you start with Google, but then you add like hours when it's Asia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like, it's roughly seven hours. Will people go on a bus that long? I'm not sure. But at the time it had the world's largest cave. You could actually fit a okay. Boeing plane into the cave. Wow. And that's how huge it was. And we were like, no, we, we know this is what people want. We're going to do it. So we mapped it all out. And to go there, they didn't even really have tours, more like day trips for people to do. So we would work with our, our local DMC and we'd say, okay, here's our customer. This is what they require. We want you to find a local person Mm -hmm. to provide this. We'll tell you exactly what they need to offer, what the customer will like, what they need out of the experience, but we don't want to be the provider because it's so important that it comes from a local person. And then we can invest back into the community. So that was an experience of, and there's a bit of, you know, hit and miss, trial and error, but that was probably one of our favorites where it became like 
a, such a go-to and everyone it was their favorite place there's these mud caves you could go through and you'd just be covered yeah. in mud by the end of it but yeah. yeah that's an example of just really kind of looking what's out there how can we offer it but yeah. we just knew that you now people aren't going to buy our tour just to do that but that was like every single photograph was about that town that we went to. Yeah, and awesome that you were able to work with the locals in that community because, as you say, you're building that sustainable tourism model where it's worth something to the community and not just a big corporate coming in and, you know, uh, absolutely. raiding the absolutely. town for a day and leaving. Totally, exactly. <laughs> just like stamping our footprint everywhere and then yeah. saying, see you later. And, and understanding the size of our groups, what accommodation did they have to yeah. cater for that? And also it's about prepping the customers too so you need to know your customer but that's what you know, tour guides are phenomenal aren't they so it's about getting them to explain okay this is where we're going and yes they're not going to have your usual latte and that's why we're here because we're going to experience the coffee they have and we're going to experience these different things and it's like tourism education isn't it it's like yeah. the most fun school in the world it's our ability to get out there and learn and and do all that without that test at the end it's like yeah. it's what we choose to do and yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And some of those most memorable experiences that we have when we travel are those interactions with the locals and immersing ourselves in local culture, isn't it? Rather than just ticking a box and getting that Instagram shot that everybody wants in front of the Eiffel Tower or the Leaning Tower of Pisa and, and those sorts of things. They're all, right. all great, but the all really right. memorable experiences are those personal ones that you have. Absolutely. And we did another project in, in Cinque Terre in oh, yeah. Sevenazza. And yeah. so in 2011, they had massive floods. It was about the equivalent of rain, like a year's worth of rainfall in a mm. couple of hours. And it was tragic. And we used to take our customers there, our, our visitors there. And so we worked with Sevenazza to do a volunteer program. Oh, okay. And yeah. it, it was amazing. Like people were like, people aren't going to pay to volunteer. And we're like, well, we'll try it because, you know, we've in some places, you know, we've taken so much from these towns and taken, but we've been there. We've, you know, we've trampled around a lot. We want yeah. to give back. What can we do? And so we we worked with Save Vanatza and we had like locals that would do little guided tours for the people. Mm -hmm. They actually would have to do about a good three hours of work. So there's, you know, there's some, um, those stone walls, those mm -hmm. rocks, um, they'd be yep. moving rocks in the heat of, of summer that the, the passengers would be, but then they'd get a lunch afterwards. Yeah. It was homemade by the yeah. locals and they'd sit together wow. under the sun and it was oh, just one of the best experiences that we created. And then afterwards they'd go, okay, here's the local tracks and they'd get tips and hints. It wasn't a full day yeah. of like heavy yeah. work. They, you know, It was a two-way thing where it was almost a win-win both ways, but the locals yeah. were then loving the visitors more because, oh my God, they came in and they helped me rebuild my business that I was mm. losing. And then you're like, oh, wow, I got to sit with a local and eat some food and have a chat. Yeah, which would have been pretty special because I've actually been to Venazza. I was there oh. in 2010 and oh, we stayed before. three nights there. And yeah. it was amazing every day watching the train come in at 10 o'clock and this stream, like literally a river of people would just flow down the main road down to the township. And then at three o'clock, they'd all be back onto the train and the Gone. town would be deserted. And so you know, for us, we felt really special staying there for three nights because we got to know a few of the locals because we were literally very few tourists actually staying there for any length of time. So, yeah, beautiful spot and nice to be able to give back, as you say, and something special there. So what do you think we could be doing better in New Zealand when it comes to regional dispersal, regional tourism? Like, have you got any ideas around that? Or how do you think we fare versus some of the other places that you've worked? 
Yeah, I guess we is a big thing, isn't it? Is it like it's us as an industry, it's how we promote, it's how we work together. I think everything's about collaboration at the end of the day, isn't it? And it's you can't put it down to one organization to fix something or make something work. So I can say as working in the tour operator space, we always think about how can we do this ourselves? But it has to be a bigger picture, doesn't it? And has Mm. to be all of us coming together and going, what does this journey look for look like for all the people visiting New Zealand and us as New Zealanders offering that? And what's a bit, a bit more holistic, really, I think, at the end of the day. So I really think if you get granular, it's about how can we help the smaller businesses in order to be able to operate effectively and efficiently. So, you know, as larger organizations, we've got our insurance covered, the HR covered, all those things that are mm. so hard for a small business to offer. That What are we doing in that space to make sure that they can deliver? Because at the end of the day, as a tour operator, I want to use the smaller businesses because, like you said before, people want that local experience and Mm. it has to be a combination offering but we don't want to miss out on people who can really have those special moments Mm. and I think in order to do that we need to come together as in a larger team and go how can we help each other out to make sure that we can deliver yeah that's good and do you see train travel making a comeback in New Zealand like obviously I remember if I go back to the early 2000s and I was working in inbound one of the most popular tours that we sold at that time was the great rail journey of New Zealand and we included all the train trips that we had at the time and a lot of those have sadly closed down do you see a time when we will be welcoming new rail networks back to the country in regards to rail networks, that's a, wow, that's a bigger, bigger question. <laughs> in, in, in general, in tourism, I believe, I hope so. You can, patterns go and you can see all patterns around the world. Rail was taken away mm. and now rail's back. Everyone had cars, so everyone stopped using public transport and now people are kind of going, oh, actually, it's not a bad thing. So sustainability comes mm. into that as well. So the ability to have a sustainable mode of transport Absolutely. So I think in that space, I guess, to expand, while us a great journeys are offering packages and, and tours, we have loads of other operators that jump on board too. So it's not mm. just us, it's such a combination of different operators that can utilize rail to travel. Yeah. Absolutely. Bigger picture wise, it really comes down to yeah, demand and mm. supply and demand, isn't it? So I guess if you look at Europe, there's a lot of public transport and there's I think there's one doing an overnight one at the moment if the demand's there I think for that as Kiwi Rail we're we're the supplier so we Mm -hmm. actually supply the operations we supply the carriages but we're not necessarily like the the business that's running it so we're like I guess a plug we're here for anyone who feels that they would like to operate we can be the supplier on that it just needs to be a demand for customers but I think from the trends we're seeing and I do love how things switch around and change all the time potentially and hopefully yeah Mm. yeah it's nice to think that but I guess at the end of the day we are a relatively small country at the end of the world and our population just isn't big enough and it's like a lot of the things isn't it we don't have Disney worlds because we don't have a core population of 50 million people like so (laughs) those and trains are a similar thing it's it's mass transport but if you don't have that population supporting it year round it's not just a a seasonal summer tourism product then absolutely Michelle and it's like are we happy to not jump in our cars isn't it at the end of the day because we can talk about it but how many of us are driving versus cycling catching buses or whatever we're doing so yeah if there's a demand if people are willing to utilize the rail then the rail's there Yep, cool. And one final question, Tracy, the packages that you're building, how is that fitting into what a traditional inbound operator does? 
So I guess the packages we're building, I guess they're there's a variety really. So we are doing packages where there's Kiwi and global versions. We've got our own where you can do the bespoke versions. We've got off the shelf ones where people yep. can just like pick and choose, add them on. And then we've got the ones that are more bespoke. So if people would like us to specialize, we are trying to specialize or well, our focus is on New Zealand rail experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we sit in the market and where we're able to, if people just want to tap on one of our packages and not do all the work, they can do that. But I think there's a, a lot more out there for people who currently some of our customers for great journeys do a lot more beyond that as well yeah. so we feel that we fit into that kind of unique kind of niche space of yeah. unique train journeys yeah cool well that sounds very exciting and it's great to see the work that you guys have been doing down there in Wellington now you are a listener of the show I do know that so I've got the quick fire round ready for you so how are you feeling are you ready to have a crack at that Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so just the first thing that comes into your head and they're quite simple so I won't try and catch you out <laughs> North Island or South Island both <laughs> <laughs> no, no that's not an answer <laughs> I know I'll, I'll say South Island because I'm living here now <laughs> oh, are you I thought you were in Wellington no I moved to Christchurch actually so oh. yeah I don't know if it's going to be a quick fire but actually I chose the role as well because I could live on the South Island so oh well um, there you go Go. Okay, I've learned something new today. I was fully expecting a vote for the North Island there because we are yeah, dragging are behind short? on these. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Radio, here's an easy one. Planes or trains? Oh, trains? <laughs> Gin or vodka? Gin. Uh, biking or running? Or running. Your favourite place in New Zealand? Gosh, too many, too many, too many. Shall I give a vote for? Who don't you have a vote for? I love my care Moana. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> What's your best ever tourism experience? Oh, gosh. I skydived out of a helicopter in Lauterbrunnen in Switzerland. Wow. Yeah, terrified of heights. That would be pretty scary, I would imagine. And what's your ideal Sunday? Oh, well, I'm currently training for a triathlon, so it's running. <laughs> okay but when that's not happening in a few weeks it'll be potentially drinking wine maybe <laughs> i'll be needing to by then oh that's quite a difference from running one week yeah, to drinking wine the next yeah. yeah so which triathlon are you doing i'm actually doing the quarter iron maori in napier oh cool oh well good yeah. luck for that It'll be very exciting. And look, Tracy, that ends everything that I've got for you today. So thank you so much for joining me and having a chat. It's been really good to hear your career history and story to date and obviously all the exciting things you're up to at Great Journeys of New Zealand. So thank you for joining me and all the best with your Iron Mari. And, yeah, we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Michelle. Great to chat. Kakite. Kakite.